It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. First official week of the offseason. I guess if you count spring football, it's not completely the offseason yet, but... uh, you know, the, the major sports done competing, and uh, so we are going to take a minute, Gabe and Mitchell Forty here, on the phone from Las Vegas, where I assume it is not 32 degrees and snowing every single day, is uh, Cassius Robertson. Cash, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, not bad. Not 32 and snowing out there, right? No, not even close. <laughs> All right. What, uh, first off, what, what are you doing out in Vegas? Um, well, uh, I signed with my agent. He sent me out here pretty much. Um, we're training with a group called Impact. Um, you know, they get a few NBA guys um, through the summers and stuff, and they get a lot of guys who are, who are training for the draft. So um, there's a group of us here, you know, just uh, out here training, working on our game, stuff like that. Okay. Any other uh, any other guys out there tra- that you're training with that, that fans would recognize, kind of names from, from college basketball this year? Um. Troy Brown's out here. Um, who else do you guys know? Uh, Matt Mobley from St. Bonaventure. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey uh, Bell Haynes from uh, Vermont. Player a year over there in American East Conference. Um, a few other guys. Um, I think uh, Macaw McIntosh is on his way over here um, from Oregon. Also, um, AJ Davis from UCF. Um, a few other guys I haven't met everybody yet, but yeah, those are probably people you guys would know. Cool, cool. Cassius, I know you uh, just got done playing in the uh, the first annual college three on three tournament. Uh, what was that experience like? Just just walk us through a little bit how that was formatted and uh, what it was like to uh, play for money for the first time. Uh yeah, it was cool. Um, I mean, the the game itself is totally different. Like it's it's you have to be taught the sport. You can't just go and play. Um, or else you'll lose real quickly because it's uh, up-tempo. Um, you know, it's not make it, take it, you know, walk mm-hmm. up to the to the three-point line, check the ball. It's it's once the ball goes through the net, your shot clock starts. You only got a 12-second shot clock. So, um, yeah, games was crazy. Um, ones and twos. Um, and, uh, you know, it's up to the first team up to 21. But overall, it was a really cool experience. You know, I got to play with um, – you know, Yante Maiden, um, Frank Booker, John Parker, you know, a couple other SEC guys. And, you know, it was cool making relationships. And, and, and like you said, playing for money for the first time. We won three games, lost in the quarterfinals. So I uh, didn't get that 11 grand, but, you know, walked away with a little bit. <laughs> not bad, not bad at all. So we can we can ask you this now, uh, since since you are not a college athlete and you did have a chance to play for – for money last weekend, you got a uh, you got a hot take for us on whether college players should be paid. Um, I mean, personally, I definitely think so. Being being a college athlete, especially being an international um, kid, um, you know, a person who, who's not allowed to work um, in America, you know, while and I mean, there's not many college athletes who can work and play ball at the same time, so it, it is kind of hard, um, you know, to to make um to make some type of money on the side because I mean people can be naive and say oh you're getting your your dorm paid for and you're getting your tuition paid for well okay that's nice but you know what I'm saying if we want to go to the movies or let's say we want to eat off campus once in a while you know it's kind of um it's kinda, uh, you know it's kind of hard to do that type of stuff 
um, that, you know, normal kids do. And, and I understand that we're not normal kids, but at the same time, I think we, we should be uh, given the opportunity to, you know, to do those, those type of things. But um, the thing with me is, is, I mean, it's a subject that I touched on a lot, but I don't know how they would do it, how they would set it up, how they would pay each player, who would pay, who would pay more. I mean, mm-hmm. what school, like where would they get the funds exactly, you know, from the schools or would it be from the NCAA? You know, it's 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 a it's a really hard subject. Yeah, I think that's kind of the million dollar question on how to do it without uh, getting the uh, the agents involved. Uh, Cassius, uh, you know, moving right. back to uh, this season, uh, I know, kind of during the season, um, whenever we would kind of ask you all, you know, about uh, the, the latest development in the season, be it a you know a player not playing or a losing streak or whatever. You all would would kind of say like, uh, you know, we're just gonna keep going, keep take it one day at a time. Looking back on it, have you kind of had a chance to reflect on? Uh, you know, the run you all had and kind of – are you uh, impressed or more, uh, I guess, uh, surprised almost that, that you all were able to make it to the NCAA tournament? What are kind of your feelings looking back on the season? Um, surprised, no. Definitely not surprised because uh, we had so much talent in the gym even at the end of the season. Um, we had uh, we had guys who, who wanted to win. I think we um, we took the culture and we totally changed it in terms of um, not only outside and off the court uh, with the fans and stuff, but inside the locker room. Um, you know, when we came in, especially the new guys, um, you could tell a little bit that um, some of that culture from the eight-win season was kind of, you know, still lingering a little bit. Um, so I think it was really up to um, – and, and Coach Martin did an amazing job of, you know, changing that up and kind of changing everybody's mindset. But it was definitely on us. Um, with the new guys and and uh, and the guys coming back to kind of you know just totally change that in the locker room and what we talked about how we went about practice how we went about games um, everything um, how we went about our nightlife you know everything like that so um, overall season was was amazing really um, it was a lot more than I ever you know expected or or could imagine really I didn't really have exact expectations um, before the season but. I think it turned out really, really well. We came up short in the NCAA tournament, SEC tournament, of course, but, um, you know, just making it there to the tournament, I think is something that um, I'm finally able to hang my hat on, obviously, to end my college career. So it's it's something that not a lot of kids get to go play in. And, um, you know, I'm just really grateful that, that that's what happened. I'm always uh... – pretty careful to point out to like fans and and those of us who who cover you guys like we're around a decent amount but we're making judgments with probably like five percent of the information you know we we don't know what goes on day to day and in the locker room and all that so kind of that being said from from the outside the viewpoint is boy this team overcame a lot but do people outside that locker room have have an appreciation for everything you guys dealt with from uh, you know, a couple transfers to Mike's injury and the drama that surrounded that to Terrence's situation. Just, I, I mean, was it was it maybe even a little more that you guys were dealing with than probably most of us uh, kind of put stock in? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you ask Coach Martin, he'll say the same thing. He he told us, you know, out of his whole coaching career, this year was the most he's dealt with in terms of. You know, just like you're explaining all, all, everything that was happening, and from you know, I've been on two different teams with with three different coaching staffs, and mm-hmm. and in my whole co- college career, you know, college for five years, 
in those five years, I've never been on a team where there's been that many changes top to bottom from, you know, during the season, you know what I'm saying? So um, I don't think people understand really how, how much um, we really went through um, because it, it, a lot of the transfers weren't just, you know, just transfers. It, there, was, there was, you know, reasons behind it. There was drama behind it. Um, you know, there was a lot of things that, that could have knocked us off track and, and definitely had the potential to knock us off track um, in terms of our mindsets and, and w- what we were focused on and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it, it's really credit to our team and, and uh, Coach Martin for keeping everybody calm and, and uh, you know, he really did a good job of acting like nothing nothing happened. Um, you know, try to keep us calm because, um, you know, when when you know the boss freaks out, everybody else kind of freaks out. So yeah, I, I would he did love a really good job of of. I would love to see what Conzo Martin freaking out is like because he's the most even keeled guy I've covered. I think in twenty years. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. I've never seen uh, – in terms of freaking out, I'm talking about, like, panic. I've right. never seen the man panic, that's for damn sure. <laughs> but um, he, uh, he he's animated for sure um, on the court um, during the games. Uh, that's what I love about him. He, you know, he, he's hyped right with us. Um, you know, he's he's not a coach that just sits down and, and, you know, when we make a basket, you know, he's, like, you know, just yelling at us about defense. He loves he loves all parts of the game, so um, – but no, back to what you're saying. You know, he 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 did a good job of keeping us calm and and uh, making you know sure that we knew that we had any, everything in the gym, regardless of who was on the court on the team. Um, we had all the pieces to do whatever we wanted to do. Cassius, when you uh, you know committed to come to Missouri from Canisius, uh, what kind of were your expectations of of the role you would play on the team, and how kind of different was that than what it ended up being as the team's leading scorer? Um, well, at first, um, I knew about, you know, the, the team we were going to have, the high-profile recruits and stuff like that, um, especially with Mike and JT and, and Blake Harris and um, all those guys uh, coming in, Jordan Barnett um, coming back. Um, so I knew I was going to be somebody who, who could bring experience and, and somebody who could also bring a little toughness and and uh, also, obviously, somebody who could shoot the ball. So. My my expected role um, was kind of more of, you know, Mike's going to get a lot of attention, so they're probably going to double-team him a lot. So when that happens or when guys are helping off me to, to stop Mike, you know, I'm wide open for some threes and to make plays and stuff like that, play defense, obviously. But, yeah, that was, that was kind of the role coming in. Um, in terms of how it ended up, uh, it kind of developed along the year. I mean, with Mike getting hurt immediately, it, I still kind of um, kind of kept the same role, really. Like, in my mind, it, I didn't really have a mindset change. It was more the coaches that helped me out with that, kind of like saying, like, you know, we, we need you to score and we need you to do this and that. So um, in terms of in terms of working hard and shit like that, I mean, that, that never changed. Working, I was, I'm always working on my game regardless of what role um, I was expected to, to play. But um, – you know, I started doing it in-game and started getting in-game reps um, in terms of, like, you know, playing the point guard and coming off a ball screen, shooting the ball, being a lot more aggressive, stuff like that. So um, so I think that's where that came from, for sure. Talking with Cassius Robertson. Last thing about last year, and then, then we do want to talk a little bit about kind of what your future holds. But uh, 
When you're a grad transfer, it's such a unique thing. It's kind of like a one last shot to to almost redo everything, and you got to pick the perfect place. Uh, and I don't think – I mean, there have been a couple grad transfers here. Alex Oriaki was a guy that came in and made an immediate impact, but I've got a hard time believing that, that there has been a graduate transfer anywhere who was not only made the impact you did but was so embraced by that fan base. I mean, what's kind of – going forward, what, what's your – you know, memory and thoughts on your relationship with Missouri fans and how they kind of took you in this year. Yeah, like you said, um, you know, I was I was really embraced and and I know uh, uh, nobody really knew about me beginning of the year. You know, I was kind of like a, a no name recruit, and they're like, "Oh, we got a grad transfer." Okay, I mean, <laughs> okay, cool. But um, you know, I think um, I think people started to fall in love with with the team and. Um, just how we play team basketball, especially, and and I was a part of that. And I think that uh, um, it was it was really nice, you know, walking around on campus um, after the season and and during the season, especially, you know, I got a lot of love. Um, and uh, you know, social media, I got tons of love. I couldn't reply to everybody, but um, yeah, everybody was just just so cool and and uh, playing it playing in front of that home crowd. You know, they uh, and they sold sold out every night. Um, you know, that 15,000 was, was real cool. So I know like when guys go in the hall of fame, they always want to know like, which cap are, are you going to wear? So like down in the 10 years, when people say, where'd you play college basketball is your first answer, Missouri or Canisius or both? Uh, I'm going to say both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to say both. Uh, whenever somebody asked me where I went, I said, I started at Canisius and then, you know, I ended my career at Missouri for sure. Gotcha. So Cassius, uh, Kind of take us through your plans for the next uh, month or so here. Uh, how long are you going to be in Vegas? Are you going to be uh, back in Columbia at all? And uh, what's kind of your plan uh, leading up to your pro career? Um. Well, right now, yeah, I'll probably be, be in Vegas for, I want to say, maybe like to the end of April. Um, and then um, and then I'll probably come back to, back to Missouri. Um, I still got all my stuff there. Um, so, uh, you know, I didn't just leave. Um, <laughs> I'm still in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't do anybody like that. Um, but, no, me and the coaching staff obviously are, you know, they're, we're in touch every day. So um, those are my guys regardless of uh, where I'm at. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to come back probably in the next, you know, couple to three weeks, um, probably train a little bit more there, um, and then uh, finish finish class. And then you know, see see where see where everything takes me. I mean, to to give you a definitive answer of of, of where I'm gonna be in you know a couple months time, I really have no clue. It's, it's really day to day right now. So, um, kind of along those uh, lines, I, I know you okay. just signed with an agent, but like, is is either being drafted or is the NBA? Do you think that's a, a realistic goal uh, for you? I mean, I know that's the goal for everybody. Do you think that's in your future or? Or do you see G League Europe, or, or do you have any idea? Um, I mean, yeah, of course, of course, the league is a goal for sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm reaching for the stars, and if I fall on the pod, that's, that's cool with me. But um, you know, I'm I'm reaching, I'm I'm training as hard as I can. Uh, I'm I ex- I expect, you know, like it's not it's not it's not a, it's not a dream. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a goal. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's something that um, that I'm gonna have a chance for sure. But um, uh, there's, there's obviously, uh, you know, no guarantees, but I'm working every day trying to, trying to make it. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's number one for sure. The league is, is number one. And then, 
Um, and then we're going to explore other options if, if that, that doesn't work out. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to join, join my, join my teammate, teammate, Mr. Porter up there. So. <laughs> Maybe two of them. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, we will, we will. I mean, I mean, he's gonna be in it. He's he's gonna be in it. The other is gonna be there eventually. Right. So right. Yeah. Just a matter of when. So, uh, last thing I want to ask you, just kind of a, a big picture college basketball question. Uh, I'm sure you're a fan, and as a guy who played at a little bit lower level, how cool was it seeing a tournament that featured? And, and I know this game was played when you guys were playing, so you didn't see it. But Maryland, Baltimore County, and then seeing Loyola go to the Final Four. I mean, just was what was kind of your impression of watching this tournament? Um, I mean, coming from a coming from a smaller conference, um, you know, guys like guys like um, us that come from smaller conferences, you know, there's there's a lot of teams that that really are not scared of you know bigger conferences, bigger teams, and and I think that's really um, a big part of of when smaller teams play bigger teams from big conferences. A lot of it is is the name on the front of the jersey. You know, when when I was at Kinesis last year, and we went up to play, you know, Kentucky. Um, just the fact that Kinesis, which somebody there's something nobody has heard of, nobody even knows where it is, mm-hmm. um, is playing like a you know, Big Blue Nation is Kentucky. Everybody knows who Kentucky is. Like that already kind of screws up a lot of people's mindsets coming into the game. Um, so I think uh, you know there's there's so many tough tough teams and and talented uh, kids on that lower level. They just you know they they're either late bloomers or they didn't get the um, the exposure that um, some of the other kids got coming out of high school. So they didn't go high major. Um, but you know there there like I said there's so much talent and uh, I think this this year proved it for sure with with Loyola um, playing like they did and uh, UMBC playing like they did. Um, you know, there's there's always going to be upsets, but um, with the with the lower teams, um, and and it's also tough with with one bid leagues. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's that's one thing that that was so it was such a relief for me playing this year because I knew for a fact that which obviously you know losing is never never in in your in your mind, but I knew for a fact even if even if we we're losing to Georgia in the first round of the tournament of our SEC tournament, we're still going to the tournament. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Um, and playing in the MAC, playing with Canisius, you you know it's do or die. Like if you don't win every single game, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's such a such a bigger mountain to climb um, with those with those uh, one bid leagues. So so you, you get a lot of tough teams coming out. Um, and it's really like I said, all it's really all about confidence with, with kids playing and stuff like that. If teams have confidence in their skills. I think they can really hang with anybody, regardless of the conference. All right, well, Cassius, appreciate you taking some time, man. Enjoyed watching you this year, and, and definitely we'll be watching going forward. We are going to uh, put on our gloves and stocking caps and be jealous of you in Las Vegas. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll be back in Columbia soon, so Mizzou fans, keep watching. All right, Cassius, have a good one, man, and good luck. Thanks, Cassius. All right, Cassius Robertson, former Missouri Tiger. Seems weird to say former Missouri Tiger about a guy who this time last year hadn't even committed, but – um. <laughs> You know, really, my takeaway from him, first of all, it's it's really nice when you spend your life covering high school kids and, you know, 18-year-olds and 19. Like, he's a 23-year-old man who can carry on a 20-minute conversation, and it, it, it's not that difficult. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different than uh, when we're calling recruits. <laughs> yeah, no question. But uh, I, I really, like, I can't think of a grad transfer. I'm sure there is one. Like, I'm, I'm sure as soon as I say this, people are going to tweet back with, like, 14 names. But I don't know a grad transfer offhand that had that kind of impact. First team All-SEC. And really, to me, with two weeks left in the season, was maybe the SEC player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think now off the top of my head. The only names I can come up with are a couple of Louisville players who played on that team that had a self-imposed ban, so that probably doesn't count. Hey, right, <laughs> like they didn't even play, right? right. They right. had no career. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so one other thing that, that uh, I've been thinking about, and we were talking about the, the NCAA tournament and the pressure of being a, a low-major team. So here I've got a plan to revamp the NCAA tournament. This is how it should work. And okay. It's, it's never going to happen. I think that every – Regular season champions should get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And every conference tournament champion should get an automatic bid. So, like, if you go through a year and there's 34 conferences and a different team wins every single conference tournament, there are no at-large bids for that year. But if the same team wins it all, then there's 34 at-large bids. Yeah, I remember I so you laid this out in like a notebook or a mailbag mm-hmm. or something. I remember reading this. I actually I think it's a pretty good idea. Obviously it won't happen. No. It, it would be like really stressful for a team like Missouri this year who's on the bubble. Right. I mean like they you know because, because they're completely this year, at the mercy of like ten other teams. Instead of like thirty two at large spots, there's probably like eighteen because mm-hmm. fourteen teams probably didn't win there. But what that allows is Loyola gets in, but the team that won the Missouri Valley also get well, I guess that they, was them. They but, would have been, yeah, but there were other but, leagues right. where you know the the I don't know the SWAC or whatever. I don't know if the SWAC regular season champion won the, the tournament. I don't know about the SWAC. How about the uh, the America East UMBC won the tournament? Vermont right. won the regular season. So both those teams get in, mm-hmm. and if that means a 19 and 13 team from the ACC didn't get in, too bad. You should have won a few more games. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I like that as well. You know, I I know uh, you, there there was a little bit written about this after Loyola's run finally came to an end about it maybe changing the minds of some selection committee members as far as, you know, if they had lost in their conference tournament, they would probably wouldn't have gotten in, kind of uh, trying to put the impetus on them more to to allow some of those mid-major teams that haven't made it in in recent years, like, say, St. Mary's this year into the tournament. I think that's a, a way that could happen, of course. Like it, you said, it's not going to, but it, I mean, it's like a fun idea. So you don't think that I'm getting a call to replace Mark Emmert, Emmert anytime soon? I don't think you like want somebody that call should. right now. That's that's a tough job right now. Not that I'm not trying to defend Mark Emmert, but I don't think anyone wants to wants to be in charge of this thing at the moment. I, I just want to be in charge of like that one thing. You want to be the tournament czar? <laughs> yes. That, that hey, Let me do that and let Mark Emmert deal with the FBI mm-hmm. and Rick Pitino getting whatever job he's going to get. Yeah, I mean, you're a Louisville guy. You got some thoughts on that? Uh, uh, no comment. <laughs> All right. So, um, hey, no, do appreciate Cash is taking some time and uh, definitely a guy that was fun to watch. And this this program now is so – I've said every team now is like Duke and Kentucky, where it's just you're starting over every year. Mm-hmm. Like this 2017 recruiting class that was so hyped up, there's probably going to be one guy on that team next year. Right. And in 2019, it is entirely possible that no one from that class or no one from that roster is even on the team. It, it has almost become, with the new transfer rules and grad transfer and all that, like it's almost become free agency. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you saw this year in the, in the Final Four that the teams that can keep a roster around for three or four years, mm-hmm. like that's a huge key to success right now. And obviously, you know, there's – 
big benefits in bringing in new players like Missouri did this year. Um, you know, they made a tournament. They had cash drops, and that was a big part of that. But but trying to, I mean, keeping the existing players on the roster is as much of a challenge as you're recruiting your own roster every year as well as recruiting the new guys, which is, you know, obviously puts a big strain on on a coach. Right, like even Kentucky and Duke, when they win it, they win it because, yeah, they, they have talent. They have mm-hmm. one and dones. But they also have a guy that's been there for sure. three years that yeah. can that can handle being the sixth man and, and give them some minutes. And and so the other thing, and yeah, we're getting off track from Mizzou, but <laughs> baseball's good, softball's not. There you go. We've covered Mizzou. Spring football's going on too. Um, so the other thing I've seen so much since Monday night is how Villanova has like reinvented the plan of how to be good in basketball. I don't get it. Like they have good – they have six, four, and five stars in the last four years. Like, this and is like not one, a team bereft of talent. And one of the best G- coaches ever. <laughs> yeah, that Jay Wright somehow drug up from the depths of hell to an yeah. NCAA title. Yeah, no, I mean, I think w- what it is is a, a lot of fan base is getting excited because, you know, there were several years there where the, the as they call them, blue bloods and, mm-hmm. and the guys getting the top recruits were winning. And this kind of maybe provides some hope to a lot of fan bases like Missouri's that, that you can build a model without getting those guys. But they but kind they, of are they getting have those, those guys. guys. Right. And Jalen getting... Brunson was one of those guys. He right. just stayed in school for three years. That's the thing is they're getting the right ones. They're not bringing in, you know, a whole a whole crop of a, a class that's going to leave they're bringing in guys that fit their system that know they might have to redshirt you know Mikel Bridges is going to be a lottery pick he redshirted mm-hmm. and then also they have Jay Wright which I mean you know he's right. probably a top three coach in college basketball right now like yeah. no one else has that and that's that can't be overlooked so you said blue blood like why is Villanova not a blue blood they are they are right? uh, yeah yeah I, I don't like the blue blood thing I, I don't but I think uh you know they they hadn't been to a final four and they had been to one oh, 2009 but i think that was it since like 1985 before right. they won in 2016 so i think you know it i think it just kind of gives hope to fan bases that aren't there every year i mean if you go back to 1985 which was i think the first year might have been the second year of this tournament mm-hmm. with you know 64 or more teams they've now won three national titles it's more than kansas has won in that time it's more than indiana's won in that time it's i more than syracuse won in that time uh I, has Kentucky won more? Mm, I it's think close. they've won three. They've won uh, about no, the same. I think same. they've won four. Duke's won know. more. I think Carolina's won more. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisville maybe has won more. It if you count the ones, like, <laughs> no, like, look, I saw them. I saw them happen. They they won eighty seven in two thousand thirteen. Is that it? Eighty six and thirteen. Yeah. Or eighty six. Yeah. yeah. Purvis Ellis. And so I, I I mean Villanova's absolutely like. Blue blood, whatever. Yeah. They're absolutely tier one in college basketball uh, right now. So we'll finish up just with this, and we're going to talk, I'm sure, plenty about this between now and, and next November. But I have always looked at this season for Missouri basketball, regardless of if Jonte Porter comes back or not, because we always knew Michael Porter in all likelihood was not. This has always been like a bridge year. And that doesn't mean Missouri can't get to the tournament in the bridge year. But this is a step back from 2017 in all likelihood. And then that 2019 recruiting class, which I think if Conzo's program is going to be what he wants it to be, that recruiting class ends up being better than the 2017 one. This has always been that kind of get to next year year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest, obviously the biggest priority is 
you know, to win and make the tournament. But for the future, you know, you want this this season's team to be exciting enough to keep the buzz that that was started right. this year around the program for those 2019 recruits, which you mentioned, because you know I haven't necessarily looked into it beyond 2019, but by all accounts, the St. Louis area and the Missouri area is so just loaded with talent in the coming years. If you can make a big splash in that 2019 uh, recruiting class and get those area guys, you know that that kind of sets the example, sets a precedent for those guys coming in later classes, and and can you know they, it's not that hard to establish a pipeline, especially when your right. coach knows the area. So that's I mean that's the most important thing for them moving forward. And if your step back is 18 and 13, and in the NIT, like. That's okay. That yeah. that's not a bad year next year. Yeah. Especially if you're without Jonte Porter. Right, right. I mean, you know, there's obviously a ton to be determined on what their roster looks like, but you know, I think for Missouri basketball, if you're if your down years are winning record, you know, maybe upset a couple teams at home in the uh in the SEC and and compete for a for a bubble spot, that's you know, and, that's reasonable. And and I mean that is those were Missouri's down years from nineteen seventy six to 2010, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there were a couple really bad years in there, but for the most part, Missouri's down years for 35 years were, you know, two, three games above 500, probably still in the NIT. Like, that was a down year. And then I think our expectations kind of got, um, <laughs> I don't know, knocked down. Harpooned. Uh, yes, that's a better word um, over the last three seasons. But I, I think for this program, like, Let's say, and we understand now, there's no such thing as like a four-year class. Like Mm -hmm. the whole class doesn't stay. But if you are at Missouri for four years, I think your expectation should be that I'm playing in three NCAA tournaments. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there you go. We've we've got it all solved. We fixed the NCAA (laughs) tournament. Gave for NCAA tournament czar. (laughs) We gave you all the expectations. Um, we didn't talk about spring football. We'll do that next week, the spring game, um, April 14th. I don't really know what we'll talk about. Like, We know a lot. The new right? offense, that's all there is to yeah, talk about. Right? We know so much more than we knew a month ago about Missouri football. Um, but but we'll talk about that next week, and then uh, we'll, we'll keep the podcast going in the offseason. I don't know what the hell we'll talk about, but like, we'll make some stuff up. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. That's a huge sell for next week, so join us then.